Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everybody, we have news. November of 2024, we are going to Cape Cod, Massachusetts to treat folklore and evermore by Taylor Swift as sacred. I'm so excited to lead this pilgrimage. These albums are such a different space for Taylor, where instead of being about litigating a tabloid narrative that's been created around her and her life and asserting her own perspective, this was about her reinterpreting her own feelings and experiences through fictional lenses. And so we get to meet all of these characters, and some of them are like con men who fall in love with other con people. And others are like depressed middle-aged people who are like, if this is the best I can do, (laughs) work with me here. And I am so excited to sort of talk about the kind of art that you get to create when you have privacy and you're free from scrutiny and self-examination. I'm so excited to explore all of that at the beautiful auto camp where everybody is going to have a private 1950s Airstream that's been converted into like a luxury hotel room complete with your own bathroom. It's just like the best glamping situation you could possibly imagine. Which I've just wanted to glamp my whole life. I'm so excited. Everybody, this is going to be November 8th through 11th in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. You can find out more by going to readingandwalkingwith.com. 
Thank you for that anonymous voicemail. I am more compelled than ever that my question is totally legitimate because this week I'm asking, should I learn how to drive? Because as a 34-year-old man, I actually don't know how to drive. And now you're like, not only should I not be on the road, but no one should be on the road. (laughs) Everyone needs to be retested. (laughs) Yeah, immediately. I'm really glad you brought this question, but just give us a little bit more context, right? Like I'm from LA at 15, you start to learn how to drive. How did you make it to 34 and be so pure? So in England, you can legally drive when you're 18, but you can start learning legally when you're 17. And in the UK, often people will learn to drive with an instructor in one of those special cars where there's extra brakes on the passenger side. So it's all sorts of safety stuff. So you don't really learn to drive with your own parents most of the time. And I was lucky enough for my 17th birthday to get five driving lessons and met the instructor who seemed, you know, perfectly nice, maybe except for this like very squidgy leather jacket that he was wearing. And we got into the car and suddenly his voice changed. And from being someone who just talked normally, he put on his instructor voice and everything he said had this real affectation and was only interrupted by the... Of this very like squidgy leather jacket. And so I was already nervous and stressed. And now I was dealing with this like suddenly very breathy, weird aspirant like teacher next to me. And I sucked at it. That was the most important part of the lessons. I was bad at it. And I don't like being bad at things. And honestly, after three lessons, I stopped. I just. Other things took over. Maybe there was like a vacation break or something. And slowly it faded into the background. And I told myself the story of like, oh, I'll pick this up next year, right? No worries. And then after a year or two, I was like, oh, I'm living in cities. Like I'm now going to college, living on a campus. Like I don't need to drive. I'll pick it up later. And it has now been, my gosh, like 17 years. And I still don't know how to drive. And the moment this really became a question for me is when I started dating my now husband, Sean, We met in Boston. We got together. My parents happened to be in America three months after we got together. So he he met my parents. And after a while, I was like, I really want to meet your parents, which was quite a big deal because I was the first boy he was bringing home. And his parents were in Kentucky, in small rural town in Kentucky. And we decided to make a road trip out of it. And I usually love road trips. Like, I'm great at being the DJ. You know, I plan the snacks. I plan routes. I have interesting stories to tell. Like, I'm great in the passenger seat. You are. You also help navigate. I'm a great navigator. You are. But listen, that works well for like a two to four hour drive. When you're doing like eight to 12 hours for two days consecutively, those skills very quickly become not that helpful. And so it was the moment when we were sleeping in a Wendy's drive through parking lot outside. I think it was Columbus. I was like, this is not okay. I need to know how to do this in order to be a good partner for the man I'm now married to. Because like, what happens if one day he needs to get to the hospital quickly and I'm the only one around? Or we're not going to go into childbirth, but like emergencies happen and I feel like a responsible person needs to be able to manage a vehicle to get us to safety. And so I still feel like this is dangling over me. Like, should I learn how to drive? Yes, but why am I not making a priority? Like, Every year I say, oh, this summer is the summer I'm going to learn how to drive. And every summer I don't do it. So, Casper, I'm wondering if you can re-articulate the question to me, because it seems to me like there are at least two actual questions here. And one is, should I learn how to drive? Like, should this be the summer where, like, 
you, Vanessa, and Sean, my husband, team up and like, don't let me not do this. Like, this is the summer. But I'm skeptical that that's the question because you've self-reported. You've said, I've made that commitment several times and I've never done it. So the other part of me wants to be a good friend and be like, okay, you haven't done it so far. You're not going to do it. So the other question that I think maybe we can spend time with if you would like is, why haven't I done this so far? And can I just stop wrestling with this and just come to peace with the fact that I'm going to not drive? Yeah, I think maybe the the question is more about, like, is it okay if I don't? Because there have been summers where I've literally bought the books that you need to read. I did the theory test at the DMV, which I passed with flying colors. You know, I've gone on a couple of test drives with Sean where there were moments where I felt like so cool and powerful behind the wheel, like on a little back road. And then as soon as another car was even near me, I would literally start yelping. I was like, oh, my God, help. (laughs) It just terrified me. And like, we're going 20 miles an hour. So I I think it is more about like, is it okay if I don't like because I, I just feel like I'm not holding up my end of the bargain of being an adult in a relationship if I don't have that skill. Because, you know, th- there's something very physical about getting into a car when someone else is driving. In a really ugly way, it can feel like like leeching off someone else's effort and just sitting there. And that I don't like that feeling. Have you asked Sean? Well, <laughs> <laughs> he's very supportive. So he's like, babe, it's fine. And he's also very supportive when I'm like, I'm going to learn how to drive. (laughs) But have you asked him the question, like, does it bother you? Do you ever feel like we could do things that we don't get to do because you can't drive? Or I resent sometimes that, like, I always have to be the one. It's really about me. Like, he, he is fine with it. Okay. We haven't done a road trip to Kentucky since, right? Now we fly. Yeah. It, it hasn't been like a practical issue since then, yeah. really. But it's it's really about how I feel about it. Totally. I think. So it sounds like the actual question, the real question is, Vanessa, can you please find a way to give me emotional permission with these two <laughs> texts to never learn how to drive? That's actually a great segue into the first text that I brought with me. And as listeners will be learning by now, every week we're taking two texts and bringing them into conversation with the question that we bring. So the first text that I want to bring to you is a very slim little volume called The Sabbath by the great 20th century theologian and rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, who was a a Polish-born American professor and wrote a lot in the, the second half of the 20th century. So the Sabbath is from 1951. And he's really grappling with what this tradition of the Sabbath means in the modern world, and especially in relationship to new technologies that, you know, in the 20th century, straight after the Second World War, all of these new technologies are entering the home in, in a very rapid way. And it was inspiring for me reading that book because it kind of started my tech Sabbath practice where I turn off my phone and my laptop on a Friday night And I always say to myself that the work is not done, but it is time to stop. And that's really inspired by the way that Heschel talks about the Sabbath, because for him, it's not something that's like rest in order to like recover for the work week. It's the apex of the work week, right? We do all of this labor so that we can have this experience of Sabbath. He talks about it as a taste of heaven and all of these beautiful images that I love. And I love this kind of angle because to me, it says you are not going to be able to do everything on your to-do list. And for me, the thing that is on the to-do list that 
I can't always do is learning how to drive. And and I feel like in Heschel and this tradition of the Sabbath, there's basically not just permission to stop, but a, a requirement to stop. And that it's good that we actually don't do everything that we want to do or, or were meant to do today. And so there's, there's this little section where he writes, and he's writing about technology here, in regard to external gifts, to outward possessions, there is only one proper attitude. And here's the exact quote to have them and to be able to do without them. Mm -hmm. On the Sabbath, we live, as it were, independent of technical civilization. We abstain primarily from any activity that aims at remaking or reshaping the things of space. Now, of course, in relationship to driving, what that might actually mean is that like, I learn how to drive and then not use it. (laughs) So I may be talking myself into a deeper hole here, but... There's something in this which feels freeing because it's like, you're not going to be able to do everything. Like, let it be. Yeah. So I'm wondering a couple of things, because one of the things about heaven Mm. is that you're dead, right? (laughs) And so I think that part of what Heschel is up to, he's potentially reminding us and you, Casper, of our mortality and that Mm. there's only so much you're going to be able to do in a week. And there's only so much you're going to be able to do in a life. You're not going to be able to do everything this week. And let's practice letting go of that on Saturdays. And you Mm. do that by saying to yourself, the work is not done, but it's time to stop. That is a moment where you let go of everything you weren't able to do. And you spend 24 hours not owing anything to anybody else. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that. In that regard, you can just like let go of driving. You are a mortal being. You're going to die. You're not going to be able to read every book you want to read. You're not going to be able to eat every pastry at every pastry shop you want to eat at. (laughs) No. I know. These are the two most important lists in my life. I know. Mine too. (laughs) And like you're not going to be able to learn how to drive and like practice that grief every Saturday. Yeah, that moves me actually because I feel... It taps into something that I definitely struggle with, which is like wanting to achieve all the things or like, you know, a sense of wanting to be great at everything I do. And and I guess it, it's hard to encounter that feeling because it feels a bit like I failed. Yeah. Ugh. I want to eat all the pastries. Like the idea that it's always on my list for next summer is so indicative of believing that there will always be a next summer. And of course, at some point there won't be. And, you know... We're young enough to feel far away from that time, but also old enough to know that that time can be much sooner than you want it to be. And we're in the middle of COVID enough, right? To be like super aware of that. You know, Cheryl Strayed has this idea of ghost ships. Hmm. We have all of these different ideas of what ship our life can be and that there are certain things that we can watch like that could have been my life. And it's a ghost ship that we send off. And whenever we see a ghost ship of like, I could have spent my life alone adventuring, yeah. like not with a partner and not with two kids that I owe things to and right? Like not with a dog who I love, who keeps me grounded. There's grief. There's real grief associated with that. It's a confrontation, exactly what you're saying, that we are going to die one day and we don't get to live all the lives. 
Oh, that's such a great image, that ghost ship, because I feel like I've come to terms with that looking at other people that I might have had a relationship with, right? Mm -hmm. I, I really believe that there are many people we could have successful partnerships with, and I've chosen one of them, and I'm so glad I chose him. It's He's the best. But there are also others, and we will continue to meet those people throughout our lives, right? And so I feel like I've really come to terms with with the ghost ship of relationships, but I haven't really come to terms with the ghost ships of the me's that I could have been. Yeah. Like I've been thinking a lot about, I spent three months on the road with a project choir in 2011 singing folk music through Europe. And like, I didn't know what day it was. I ate bread and cheese every day. We slept in, you know, host families who would host us in some German town of Hildesheim it was some of the happiest times I've had. Even the horrible like group dynamics of the choir. <laughs> like, yeah. Just singing every day and living this very simple lifestyle was amazing. And it's so different from my life today. And so I still kind of hold on to this dream that like, oh, I can I can still go and do that. Yeah. And to some extent, like, no. I, I feel like I need to confront a little bit the limits of those other lives that I could have or might have had. Right. I mean, no, and maybe that's how you'll spend your retirement, right? Like if you make it a priority. I don't think there's anything wrong with keeping certain flame embers sort of like burning a little bit, right? Like maybe one day I'll return to the road into the simple life. But I also think that there are only so many of those fires that we can give kindling to. And so we have to snuff certain ones out, right? We have to say, okay, this is like not a fire I'm going to feed anymore. Yeah. I mean, I just want to give one other potential point of view from the Sabbath text that you brought, which is I want to return to something you said earlier where you suggested that maybe you should learn how to drive and not do it Mm -hmm. because then you're proving to yourself that you can learn how to drive and you're just saying, but I'm not engaging in this. It makes me nervous. I don't want to plan my life around it. I still want to fly to Kentucky with Sean. I don't want to plan on road trips. I think that there's the possibility of offering yourself a loophole of like, I'm going to learn how to drive, but basically... I will lie to people and tell them I can't drive, right? Like I will (laughs) never, ever drive unless I absolutely have to. It's so interesting to notice like what comes up when I hear you say that because there's two layers. The first layer is like, oh, but that's bad practice because if you don't practice driving, then you'll be a bad driver when you actually drive. But that is total BS because really what's underneath that is like, I know I was bad at it when I was learning and I get so nervous behind the wheel And like, I'm a very confident person. Like I will take space and lead things and set up a plan. But like, I get so anxious behind the wheel and I don't like that feeling. And so I'm like, well, if I'm only learning just so I have the skill, like I'm just putting myself through suffering for like weeks on end. And why would I choose to do that and pay for it? No. (laughs) Is a skill that you want to learn in your life to get better at things that you're not naturally good at? No. Okay. There's nothing else that you're bad at that you're like, oh, I want to learn how to do. (sighs) No, I think it's remarkably infrequent as an adult for me to put myself in places where, where I feel exposed in that kind of way. There are things I will do on my own, 
you know, during that Sabbath time, like it feels very safe. It feels very cocooned. And I think, yeah, learning how to drive is one of those few things that still feels like, a, I don't know, people will point and laugh. <laughs> it's just, oh God, it's such an awful feeling. You know about Walmart parking lots before Walmart opens, right? There's like no one there to laugh. You just like practice. <laughs> like you go at six in the morning. No one's there to laugh. But the instructor with the squeaky <laughs> leather coat. Totally. He will laugh. Fair enough. Will you be my instructor? I will happily be your instructor. My car is worth like no money. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. The thing to me is this question, because you can obviously get by without driving. You're going to die one day and you're not going to learn how to do all the things. Yeah. So the question to me is, is do you want to get better at being in that uncomfortable Ooh. space of I'm not actually good at this? Because if so, <laughs> it seems like driving is the perfect place to practice that. Oh, I love this reframe because then it's not about like getting the outcome of driving, but it's about engaging the process of feeling uncomfortable and learning something, which is so important. I mean, Jesus, white people engaging in anti-racism work, like that feeling of getting comfortable with discomfort is one of the most important things to learn. <laughs> you can end racism by learning how to drive. <laughs> no, but I, this is this is a different way into the question because it's it's helping me see a functional purpose Beyond just the fact of like, can I help in a road trip? Right. It's actually a life skill to step into discomfort with confidence in my ability to withstand that discomfort. Exactly. That feels really different to me. The other thing I will say is this is something I know about you because we've been friends for so long. I would just like to say to you that I am already know this is something you can do. Mm. You got into a horrible accident before I knew you and you couldn't do the things that give you a sense of self-worth and you withstood it and handed yourself over to other people to take care of you, something that you do not like to do, right? Like <laughs> that was not only a time of physical discomfort for you, but it was a time of psychological and emotional discomfort for you, at least at first. Yeah. And yeah. you now talk about it with such grace and such meaning making. So I would just like to say to you, if you decide to practice that again and decide to practice this time, right, mm. not get into an accident and fall into it, but actively decide to, you have evidence in your own life that you can do this. I, I really appreciate that, Vanessa. And it feels it feels true. Like, I know I can navigate traffic, right? I cycle in New York City. I'm a very confident cyclist. I've driven like four-wheel drives through Iceland's nature preserves by pretending I had a driver's license and it was fine. Okay. <laughs> you have something in common with our voicemail lever. Oh, God. You big old hypocrite. But I'm glad that no reindeer died while you did that. So I feel like on the technical side of things, like I'm able to learn how to drive. Like I know that. It's just, it's scary. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Hi listeners, this is Naomi Westwater. You may know me from my previous classes at Not Sorry. I'm dropping into your feed today to let you know about an upcoming course I'm running starting March 17th called Creating Daily Ritual, Tarot as a Sacred Practice. In this course, I will teach you about the history and meaning of the cards in the Rider-Waite-Smith tarot deck and model how they can be used as a tool for self-reflection and creativity. Through lecture, discussion with your classmates, and solo journaling, I will aim to help you develop your individual connection with tarot, this ancient tool for meaning making. If you're looking to elevate your daily ritual, please join me starting Sunday evening, March 17th, for six weeks of habit building, learning, and community. Head to notsorryworks.com for more information. And be sure to check out our sliding scale pricing and scholarships listed on the website. That's notsorryworks.com. Do you want to turn us to your second text? Yeah. Oh, I love this because I feel like I'm entering this text with a new question. So I'm excited to see what what comes out of it. This is a lyric from a song by the British folk singer Kate Rosby, who is just honestly, if I could only listen to one musician until I die, it would be Kate Rosby. I'm just obsessed with her voice. She's an incredible songwriter, but she also has this amazing skill of like taking old folk songs and giving them a new twist. And, you know, I'm obsessed with kind of translating ancient traditions and rituals and finding new meaning for them. And so I see her doing that with music. And this is a song called Walk the Road Together that I actually brought to our community choir at the Divinity School at Harvard. So we sang it together in a noon service, which was like the the weekly service for the community. So it has a little connection for me to our shared home. And the lyric that I chose is from the chorus, which is this. All the way through wind and rain, I'll never deceive my heart again. Hand in hand, across the land, we'll walk the road together. And I chose this specific text because, you know, I wanted to put something in contrast with the Heschel. And the Heschel is saying, like, you can stop, like, you don't have to do everything. And I love this image that Rosby offers, which is about traveling together. And I feel like it speaks to the responsibility that I felt of being a good partner. And it speaks to that sense of adulthood, of like showing up with the tools that you need for the life that you're going to live together. And this sense of solidarity that it's through wind and rain, right? It's like not not pleasant, but you're, you're going to do this thing together. And I had read it in a very practical sense of like, okay, we'll walk the road together, right? We'll drive the road together. 
But now I'm reading it through the way that you've reframed it, which is about stepping into discomfort together. And the times I've respected my husband most is when he's done really hard things because it's not easy, whether it's making a big career change or, you know, other experiences that I've seen him go through. And so I'm now thinking like, oh, maybe that's maybe that's what the walking the road together is. I think that that is a beautiful way to read this text. Can I offer you another potential way to read it? Yeah. So again, the text is all the way through wind and rain. I'll never deceive my heart again. Hand in hand across the land, we'll walk the road together. I mean, it's possible that this is a way that hand in hand across the land, Sean can take care of you. Mm. I'm sure that there are a million things that Sean can do that you can't. And I'm sure there are a million things that you can do that Sean can't. And part of partnership is letting that be true. And that is a really scary thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's to some extent saying I'm fine emotionally stunting myself in this way, right? (laughs) Like Peter, my partner, is like really good at fixing things. And I used to like be pretty patient and like look up a YouTube video and figure out how to fix things. And I've just stopped. I'm like, that has been assigned to somebody else. And like, that's scary. If he's not around and something is broken, like that is a skill that I've spent years now not improving and that has actually atrophied. But also that's part of being in a relationship is taking those burdens off of each other. So I think mm. like hand in hand across the land, we you can walk the road together by Sean driving and you being in charge of budgets. <laughs> I was literally thinking of the credit card yeah. as you were saying that. <laughs> I know you. I know you. But it, I really take your point that it's a way in which we can look after each other. And, and there are ways in which we take care of each other by leaning into the things that we can bring. And I think it's important to always ask the question that you asked, which is like, okay, but does that person resent it? Or do do you feel like you're picking up all of the slack? Because that can happen in relationships and it doesn't make for a happy ending. But I feel like we're pretty careful about navigating that together and very intentional about talking things through. And I've never felt any pressure from him, certainly on the driving thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I think what the second text has made me realize or made me want to offer to you is that this isn't about Sean. Sean is going to walk with you, like walk the road with you hand in hand through the wind and rain, whether or not (laughs) it's driving. And so this is about whether or not you're comfortable with that. Like we can stop pretending about whether or not this makes you a good or bad partner. It makes you Mm. a fine partner in this relationship. Maybe in another relationship, the person would say, this really scares me. And I need you to learn how to drive. And I am 100% confident that if someone said that to you, you would learn how to drive. I would. But Sean isn't saying that. So like this is, sorry, kiddo, but this is all on you. (laughs) I mean, you're choosing between two discomforts. Like, Mm. would you prefer the discomfort of being reliant on other people? Oh, that feels so real. Yeah. Or would you prefer the discomfort of like putting yourself through the process of learning how to drive? And I wouldn't ask you which discomfort are you more comfortable with. I would push you to say which discomfort would you respect yourself more for. And I think both are worthy. The first one would be about the discomfort of being bad at something. 
Mm-hmm. And the second one is a discomfort with being vulnerable and having to be grateful. And those are mm. both really good things to practice. <laughs> oh, wow. I love where we've landed on this. Yeah, like both of them are worthy. Both of them are uncomfortable. And I think the thing I want to do is choose. Yeah. Because at the moment I've been not choosing and not choosing is also a choice, but like then it's an ill thought through choice. So I kind of want to be intentional about choosing which one it is. Okay, so we're going to do Florilegia with these two quotes next to each other. And then we'll process that and see what happens and see if you can make a choice. And I will say this to you. I promise you that if you decide to learn how to drive, I will kindly, but with commitment, hold you accountable to that. (laughs) And if you decide not to, I will never tease you about it. And I will always drive you. (laughs) Thank you, love. So, Casper, I think that, you know, your Heschel quote is to have them and be able to do without them. So we're going to pull a similarly length Kate Rusby, like, piece of quote. So which which part of this beautiful stanza do you want that to be? Let's use the last line. We'll walk the road together. Okay, great. So maybe close your eyes, right? Like, I'm going to read you these two quotes together and tell me how you feel. Which discomfort does this make you feel Mm -hmm. better about? To have them and be able to do without them, we'll walk the road together. The place where my heart goes and where my brain goes are two different places. Okay. Because my heart goes that actually it's the second one where I'm really landing. That that sense of like the discomfort of relying on others is, I think that's just more real for me. But my brain goes, it's still really important to be intentionally choosing things that make me uncomfortable, to to learn the comfort in the discomfort. It just doesn't have to be driving. Right. And so that's where I'm landing. It's like, it's okay not to learn this skill. And I want to find other ways in which to lean into discomfort. Isn't the other way to lean into discomfort is to stay uncomfortable with the fact that you can't drive? Yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't expose me. I don't feel embarrassed. Uh, I don't feel silly like un, or unskillful. I'm a very skillful passenger, right? Like I've learned that skill really well. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, the bit that would be missing still is that sense of like oh, I'm actually just not good at this and other people can see. And so I I need to or not I need, but I'm I'm going to try and find other ways in which I can put myself in that situation that doesn't maybe necessarily have huge financial costs or risk people's lives. Right. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Well, so it sounds like you've landed on this, right? That you're you're going to let go of this. Yeah, it feels really good. So is there some sort of like ritual that we can do of waving goodbye to the ghost ship of driving? Like the version of you that drives and that's like, toss me the keys. I've got it. <laughs> that version of Casper is gone. Are you yeah. okay saying goodbye to him? Yeah, I'm really okay with that. I'm ready to put Casper driving on a boat. <laughs> Send him out to sea with coins on his eyes, burn the yeah, fire. Exactly, a Viking style. Like he's <laughs> off to Valhalla. <laughs> well, Casper, thank you for bringing this like really beautiful question. And I'm so happy for you. I love that you're not going to learn how to drive. I love this for you. I feel really good. And I'm really grateful for this conversation. You know, it's such a it's such an experiment for us to make this podcast. And like, 
This was genuinely helpful. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you did literally all the work. You did all the work. I know that's not true. And let me just say for the rest of my life, thank you for driving. (laughs) (laughs) I'm happy to drive you anywhere. You often bring cake. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Vanessa, for this conversation. And thanks also to Kate Rusby and Abraham Joshua Heschel. I feel like they helped us get a breakthrough. They sure did. You've been listening to The Real Question. We can only make this show thanks to your support. So if you'd like the show to keep going and you have the means to help us out, please support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash therealquestionpod. You get all sorts of really fun bonuses there, including weekly bloopers of all of the ridiculous things we say that don't make it into the episode. If you like our show, please leave us a review on iTunes. And you can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at realquestionpod. Also, we're thinking about starting an online class. If you are interested, go and sign up for our newsletter at realquestionpod.com. We are a Not Sorry production. Our executive producer is Ariana Nettleman. Our music is by Nick Boll, and we're distributed by Acast. Thanks to Pure Records for letting us use Walk the Road, which you're listening to right now. Kate Rusby is doing a streaming concert on April 10th. I've already bought my ticket and would love to have you join me. Thanks to Julia Argy, Nikki Zoltan, Megan Kelly, Molly Baxter, our anonymous voicemail from today, and of course, our dear friend and mentor, Stephanie Purcell. Hi, listeners. This is Naomi Westwater. You may know me from my previous classes at Not Sorry. I'm dropping into your feed today to let you know about an upcoming course I'm running starting March 17th called Creating Daily Ritual, Tarot as a Sacred Practice. In this course, I will teach you about the history and meaning of the cards in the Rider-Waite-Smith tarot deck and model how they can be used as a tool for self-reflection and creativity. Through lecture, discussion with your classmates, and solo journaling, I will aim to help you develop your individual connection with tarot, this ancient tool for meaning making. If you're looking to elevate your daily ritual, please join me starting Sunday evening, March 17th, for six weeks of habit building, learning, and community. Head to notsorryworks.com for more information. And be sure to check out our sliding scale pricing and scholarships listed on the website. That's notsoryworks.com.